Welcome, everyone, to the One More Game Podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Jeremy Culver, a.k.a. Darcy, and with me is the California Thirst Quencher, Pete Leja. Pete, how you doing, man? I'm hanging in there. It's been a, been a good week for the most part. Uh, did a lot of Dodgers games. Got to listen to uh, the uh, Homer analysts uh, discuss how Tony Gonsolin should be the the leading candidate for Cy Young, even though he's pitched like 50 less innings and like the front runners, which is like, you know, like five whole games less worth of innings. Uh, it, it makes me, it actually made me wonder. I was like, man, I bet Hawk Harrelson was like this to a lot of other people that had to watch. <laughs> like <laughs> I, I remember when I worked at the, at high V while I was in college, uh, my manager was a Cleveland uh, fan. And he hated Hawk Harrelson. And I always kind of knew he was a homer. I mean, me and my brother used to may, uh, make fun of like the Hawkisms and just like, you know, how he used to say the three one count was the catbird seat. And then we did like made up a a, a seat for each uh, at bat, like the O2 count was the shit can seat and stuff like that. <laughs> and just, uh, I, I wonder if uh, that's what this is what it's like when you hear Homer analysts for like in all cases when you're not like a direct fan of the team. It's kind of hilarious though. Hey, I'm gonna, I mean, obviously I'm biased here, but I loved Hawk Harrelson. Any person who doubts Hawk Harrelson's greatness is just a bona fide hater because Hawk Harrelson was great. <laughs> all right. He, uh, he, <laughs> he had some good calls. Uh, he he probably could have laid off on the nicknames. Although the Big Hurt is like an all time legendarily great nickname for Frank Thomas. So yeah, there is that one. He did get one right. Hey, the Big Hurt is a is a good one. Uh, but I'm I'm glad that you're you're doing well. Um, obviously glad to to have you here on the podcast. Of course, in a few weeks you won't be here because of course uh, we recorded an episode early for my move, and I'm really excited for everyone to hear that uh, that podcast. We interviewed uh, Melissa White, a voice actor out of Las Vegas, and um, it was a really insightful interview, a really insightful discussion. And uh, again, I can't wait for it. I think it was a, I think it was a really good one um, to come on there, and uh, love to bring her back for a future episode. So, yeah, I'm really excited for that. for that. I'm really excited for that one. I, I really appreciate a lot of the voice actors. Of course, I watch a lot of anime, and obviously, I play games. So, like hearing the voice actors and actresses and everybody do their part to get the, uh, like give the games more life, more oomph, more immersion when you're a part of it. It's I, I'm really interested in, uh, what she had to say and what the interview uh, took place. So looking forward to that one for sure. Yeah. So keep a lookout for that one, but obviously that's in the future. You're here for the now and let's get into this week's episode. So thank you all for tuning in to the one more game podcast. This is a podcast centered around making sure you're informed about all the video game news happening around the world, whether it's Nintendo, Xbox, PlayStation, or PC. If there's news that you need to know about, we'll make sure that you know about it. When you're listening to this on your podcast service, make sure you hit the subscribe button or the follow button, depending on what your service offers. And if your podcast service allows reviews, please leave a five-star review and tell everyone why you love the One More Game podcast because we really enjoy bringing this to you each and every Friday. If you'd like to be part of the show by asking a question or suggesting a topic for discussion, head on over to pressstartnews.net slash one more game and fill out that submission form and your submission could be used on the next episode. Or you could drop it down into the chat over here on youtube.com slash pressstart28 when we do go live. We always post about when we're going live over over on our social accounts so also make sure you follow us over there but as you drop them in the chat we will reference them throughout the show but 
If this is your first time to the podcast, welcome to the podcast. I hope you enjoy your listen and I hope you enjoy your stay. If you are returning, you already know what it is. We start off every single podcast talking about what we've been playing lately. So, Pete, what have you been playing lately? So, I haven't been playing any new games lately. Uh, unfortunate about that. But uh, I have gotten back on the bandwagon for two games. I talked about, uh, I talked a little bit about both of them last week. Uh, Magic the Gather, Magic the Gathering is having their set rotation coming up in a couple of weeks. I think it's uh, coming up like uh, two weeks from today, actually. Yeah, something very not, soon. I saw it, it on Twitter. So. Uh, so I've been playing a little bit of arena. They all, they have a new format called Explorer, uh, in paper magic. They have a format called pioneer, which is like a bunch of like sets from like something like 2014, uh, built up to now. And Explorer is kind of like arena tried to make their own format and it kind of worked until they started making cards specifically, uh, in digital. And then that sort of started kind of getting all messed up. Uh, there's a definitely a group. It had its fans. It was really interesting, but the more cards that were like more digital based, it felt less like magic and more like something completely different. And that was part of the reason why I started falling off the bandwagon. Cause, uh, you know, once, uh, stand their main format standard gets boring, kind of don't want to play it anymore. Well, Explorer is like all the cards that are legal in pioneer and paper are legal in, uh, on this Explorer format. And eventually they're just going to have most, if not all of the pioneer cards and just have straight pioneer from what I understand on arena. So that was nice. So I've been getting more into that. The Explorer format has been a lot of fun. I've been enjoying that. And then, uh, the big one, the big one, the, the one we talked, the one, another one we talked about last week, Genshin Impact, man, this, this new one, this new update, this 3.0 Sumeru, been a lot of fun uh probably the most fun i've had since they launched since i started playing the game since they launched it um so the big reason is um inazuma was like the the last big region the the they started out with uh, monstat and then it was leeway um those are like the first two regions that you get to be a part of and then inazuma was like the first like this is the new region the first one but they wanted to make it different from uh, Mondstadt and Leeway, which is more like an exploration, exploratory kind of thing. So when you jump into Inazuma, it's almost like a civil war you're jumping into. There's a lot of like, like it's a very hostile region. You have to like perform a bunch of quests just to unlock each island to the point where like the atmosphere itself is not like just killing your character. It's actually kind of weird. Like the first, uh, when you first get to Inazuma, like the first opening, um, town you can't actually even get out of until you like proceed part way through the story quest and then you go out and it's uh just a giant thunderstorm and lightning strikes your character all the time and shocks them for like a bunch of damage and it was really really aggravating and annoying uh but the the lore was really interesting this one feels almost like something out of indiana jones you go through uh when you first are coming through there's this little this cavern you're going through um, you're, uh, you start out in a ravine from Leeway, which is like the border to Sumeru and you go through this cavern to go, to actually go to the new region and you come out, you're in this rainforest, you're in a jungle and there's like, it feels, it f actually feels different from every region. Inazuma didn't feel a whole lot different than, uh, Leeway and Mondstadt, except for the fact that there was an archipelago instead of just a couple of, of uh, uh, countries on a continent sumer uh but like all the uh, like it was like a lot of the same like villains a lot of the same uh mooks you were fighting maybe with different color shades 
in this one, there's like uh, a new group of like, uh, there's like a new group of like mooks you're fighting. They also have like actual creatures. They're like saber tooth tiger type things, giant like pack beasts, but they're like, kind of like um, mastodon kind of things. Not that big. Uh, but like the, there's just a lot that's going on. There's a lot that it feels new. It feels refreshing. And because it's a jungle, you're like climbing everywhere and going everywhere. It actually was kind of funny. Um, when I first started the story quest, they're like, all right, go forward, like, uh, like 500 feet and talk to the next person. And I was just like, ah, I'm just going to go exploring. And it just kind of veered off the path and just started going around and everything. And it just felt so great to just go around and just exploring things and not feeling like, trapped down and to the certain thing that they wanted me to do. And Inazuma was fun and the lore was great. But by the time I got unlocked all the islands, I was kind of like, eh, I don't want to explore anymore because I'm really annoyed <laughs> with like what was going on. <laughs> and Sumeru, I just want to keep going and keep going. I'm probably going to keep going after we get off this podcast. Honestly, I can't believe you interrupted my game plan, ah, Jeremy. That's yeah. what I do. What have you been playing lately anyway, man? Uh, so I have been playing, uh, I won't talk about it too much on this podcast. Obviously, uh, you'll hear more about it in the, uh, the future podcast, but I went back to playing the last remnant, trying to get further in that one, of course, still enjoying it and stuff. Uh, the game though, that I wanted to talk most about, I'm going to talk about partially two games, but one of them more specifically is as part of this week being Gamescom over in Cologne, Germany, there's a lot of video game news that had dropped, obviously, which made even this episode episode hard to condense down to try to talk about things which spoiler alert we're not talking about gamescom even though there's a bunch of announcements but you can check out my archived stream reactions to it over here on youtube.com slash press start 28 or over at pressstartnews.net however uh with that being said, a number of game companies dropped some demos out for people to play and dive into. And so I downloaded two of those demos. One of them is a game that is coming out in a couple of weeks, which is called Solstice. And then a second game, which is called Chained Echoes. And uh, for Solstice, which is the first one I want to talk about, um, it is a basically an action uh slashing game where you play as uh this this main character i don't remember all the names so i can't remember exactly but i remember i think her name was briar and you have a soul that is basically inside you named loot which the way that the context seems to be is that loot is your sister it's your sister's soul that's stuck inside you um and you basically use like two different types of powers to help with defeating various um creatures throughout the the land your character is possessed by some kind of um power they're called like the corrupted and she can deal a lot of damage it's fun i enjoyed it but the problem i did have with it and at least on the pc version is the game had a lot of performance issues and made my pc continuously run uh, my fans at a very high speed to the point where i was getting very annoyed listening to my fans just like rev up really loud and then come back down and just keep doing that the entire time i played didn't matter that i dropped the um textures or the um the graphics or anything of that nature and it's not like i have a bad pc i mean i have a fairly strong pc yes it needs some upgrades but i mean i have an uh 
you know, NVIDIA uh, 2080. I have a Ryzen 7 2700X. Like, I have a good PC, but it was it was having some performance issues, and it was also noticeable during uh, cutscenes where it was just the game would progress forward. There was no, like, jaggedness in the audio, but it looked like the, the screen was running at, like, a 30 frames per second, whereas the rest of the game looked like it was running anywhere from, like, 40 to 60, and it was just kind of all over the place. So, Did you get, like, obviously, screen tearing and stuff? Or? I did not get screen tearing. That's the That was the biggest thing that was kind of annoying to me, which is why I was like, well, maybe if I dropped down the frame rates or I locked, you know, I V-synced it to my screen, I tried locking the frame rate to 60 frames per second, and I was just having performance issues throughout the time. So I enjoyed it, but I don't know the if I'm going to end up picking it up now. Now, obviously, if I do, it would be down the line um, for possibly on sale. But the other game I want to talk about is Chained Echoes. So Chained Echoes is an indie RPG. It's coming from a company. Uh, and based off their Twitter profile, it looks like they're based out of um, Germany as well. Uh, this game I have talked about in the past in a lot of my Twitter accounts and stuff about this is one of the RPGs that I'm really looking forward to. Uh, it's an indie RPG, as I said. It's turn-based combat. And in the bigger sense, it's basically, and it even has it here on the website, it's a classic 2D RPG with swords, magic, and mechs. And that's kind of like the big uh, tagline for it. The demo is a ton of fun. I had a lot of fun with it. I've only, I only played it for about half an hour, maybe uh, an hour last night. I got through like the opening part of the demo and was just finishing kind of that opening epilogue there. But you play as a character named Glenn, or at least that's how it starts the demo off. And you were trying to go on this mission. They call it a suicide mission uh, to basically destroy this kind of stone. And when you get there and you destroy it you found out basically that it was not the stone you think it was and the demo kind of or that section i should say ends with it looking like you just set off a nuclear bomb so like that was kind of like a what the heck just happened yeah it's kind of it's crazy um but i think the the graphics you shouldn't have did that yeah yeah exactly Sorry. i think the graphics though are uh really nice it's a pixel 2d pixel art um and i think that it looks really nice it's really well done the combat was really smooth it has this combat meter that you have to balance called the overdrive meter which basically every attack you do increases this meter and when you get it into a green zone you deal extra damage you take half damage and your skills cost half but if you accidentally let it get all the way up to red then you go into basically uh overheat and then the enemy can deal uh like a ton of additional damage to you so you have to do this balance of attack and defense and managing the system and i kind of i really liked it um i like the mech style of it and so i'm having a lot of fun with it again it's one of my uh one of my rpgs uh indie rpgs that i was really looking forward to this year it is supposed to come out in burr 2022 and why i say burr 2022 is if you go look at the trailer that's literally how it ends it rolls like trying to tell you when it's going to come out and it ends with asterisk 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 ber 2022 so it could be i I doubt it's september 2022 but it could be september could be october could be november could be december but it's supposed to come out sometime 
this latter half. So I'd recommend going to check it out over on Steam. It's a it, like I said, I'm having a lot of fun with it so far. So hell yeah, yeah. Was uh your, was the gameplay your favorite part of uh, that one, or was there something different? Uh, you looked sound like you talked a lot about the gameplay, like the the jockeying of position of like you know like just borderline trying to not overheat but like taking advantage of all the stuff or was the like the lore the the graphics or anything like the your favorite part uh i mean because i only got to play a little bit of it the the combat was probably the most fun part that i did take in but what they alluded to in the the story seems to be you know i guess capture my attention now granted i'm gonna be honest right it's why I am, in a sense, not always the biggest on indie RPGs, is indie RPGs typically just do exactly what JRPG tropes do, right? And so that's not anything bad against it, but when you're an indie RPG, sometimes it's you don't have as much polish as obviously the AAAs that do follow the tropes, but you know have like a different amount of writers to help with smoothing out the the writing but i did like how it opened i didn't want to spoil too much on how it opened because again i don't know how much of the demo gets into the story but what was there i did like uh but i did of course there's like a lot of foreshadowing that i was just like all right these people are gonna die. <laughs> there's, no, there's no way that they're going to live. Like I, you know, again, not to spoil, but one one comment was like, you know, in the suicide mission, they're supposed to get a lot of money coming out if they succeed. And one of them was like, "Well, you have a kid in a kid in a a wife at home. What are you gonna do with the money?" And he's like, "Oh, I would." Even if I get all the money, I would choose to stay on the battlefield. And I was just like, as soon as he said it, I was like, this dude's dying. <laughs> there's no way he's going to survive. Death flag, death flag approved. <laughs> yeah, I was like, there's no way he's going to survive. But yeah, it was oh my it's a lot of fun. So yeah, go go download it and check it out. I don't know how long it'll run. So uh, when you're listening to this, go check it out now. But we've been talking about what we've been playing lately for quite a bit. Let's get to our gaming catalog because we do have a number of things to talk about, which is the story that's a non story that's turned into a story that we're going to talk about about amazon and ea bandai namco is working to secure additional ips and partnerships the ps5 is getting an increase in its price and two games that i'm really looking forward to and want to come back are now potentially coming back we're gonna get here in a little bit but let's go to the first story the main catalog which is again the story that is a non-story that has turned into a story because of the frenzy that it started and it is amazon buying ea and i'm doing air quotes here for those that are listening uh and can't see what i'm doing but we're going to the usatoday.com article for the for the win section which is their gaming section and i'm using this article because this is the article that spawned the whole shebang that was going on early this Friday morning, which is now titled as Reports Refute Rumors of Amazon Buying Electronic Arts. But obviously, this was a much different story earlier today. So I am going to read what is available now. And so everyone gets a picture of what's going on. So this is as of 1037 Eastern Time. 
Earlier today, GLHF, a gaming esports outlet and content partner for For the Win, ran a version of this story on our website that violated our editorial standards regarding the use of unnamed and unvetted sources. We have updated this story to remove all mention of those sources. Now, to the part that's still there, which is, though it's been rumored Amazon will soon announce that it's put in a formal offer to acquire Electronic Arts, Amazon is not expected to make a bid for EA, according to CNBC. Rumors have been circling online for a few weeks about a potential EA buyout with Apple, Disney, and Amazon listed as potential buyers. The rumors come after a range of unprecedented acquisitions and consolidations in the video game space, with the biggest of them being Microsoft purchase of Activision Blizzard for $69 billion. Now, the original story said that Amazon was going to announce today that they have acquired Active, uh, EA, which sent the Twitterverse into a frenzy. A lot of people tweeting things, including myself, who woke up to see the news. And, of course, then the the heads that be, the bigger investigative journalists, got in and were like, no, this is this is not happening, And uh, which led to this whole frenzy. So the reason why we're talking about it is because, again, how much it sent the frenzy on Twitter. So, Pete, I got to ask you, first off— as a person who works in news, uh, how shocked are you basically that this story went out and has been basically within an hour, two hour span got refuted and uh, pulled back? But two, that it, we're getting again, I guess, continuous leaks and stories and rumors that EA is going to be sold at some point. Uh, well, working in news, I mean, it, it it's surprising it's surprising in the sense that it got such uh uh it got so much momentum uh so quickly um but on the flip side we're talking about two to put it mildly controversial companies um that were involved amazon uh you know with all the stuff that they've had with all the problems they had not to mention jeff bezos and then uh, electronic arts who hasn't endeared themselves to the gaming community for quite a while now um, but, uh, I mean, the, the, this, uh, without social media, this kind of would have went through a natural, uh, cycle, right? There were rumors out there. Somebody said that, Hey, these rumors are true. They're not exactly like a major media site. Um, and then the major media sites kind of went in and, um, did some digging and tried to find out if they were there or there was anything there. And, uh, the CN- Did you watch the CNBC tweet that was in the article? I need to watch it still. I have not yet, but they I- were they uh, it, it, they were really um, they were really dismissive of uh, good luck, have fun um, to the point where it's kind of like, man, do you need to punch down like that, y'all? I mean, what the hell are y'all doing over there? Doesn't like okay, these rumors came out from this. Um, this uh, esports company, and it turns out that they might not be true, at least for today. What it sounded like is that um, uh, the the source that told them that they weren't involved was were also involved with the talks that EA was trying to when they were trying to get sold to Disney, and Disney kind of turned them down. Um, and so, like, they were also kind of sort of involved with the uh, with like EA's uh, trying to get sold to other companies that w- was been reported on since May, I believe is like when we first started talking about this and um, uh, the, the people that were involved in that said that there's nothing there as of right now. Uh, so it wouldn't be dropping today if there is anything. Um, 
so that was kind of the main thing. Uh, like I said, it was kind of funny how CNBC was just punching down in that regard. It was kind of like, man, you know, I don't need, know if you need to be doing all that. The answer to your second question is, uh, we were talking, like I was saying earlier, these are two very controversial companies. And we know that EA has been looking for a lot of, uh, uh, looking to be sold for a few months now. And also, this is a controversial topic. The companies are controversial and the topic's controversial. We're having a lot of, condens- of condensing of the gaming industry. Activision Blizzard's going to Microsoft. PlayStation or Sony started buying up some companies. We just talked about last week of a bunch of acquisitions, very fa- fairly minor in comparison to, you know, Activision Blizzard and some of the stuff that Sony's been acquiring. But this year, the last two years specifically, has been the condensing of the gaming industry and publishers and uh, developers. And I think that it's eventually going to be a legitimate problem. And Electronic Arts is one of like the big uh, AAA. Uh, one of the last big AAA groups that aren't owned by anybody and they're looking to get sold. And you go to somebody big like Amazon, who's already looking to try to make their gaming division a little bit better. You get electronic arts in there. I'm not saying, I don't know if they'll, there'd be a big enough division to like make their own gaming system. Like Microsoft ended up doing, but you know, they start making some games. I mean, Madden's going to be under the Amazon number. You're going to see a lot of ads for Amazon and the Madden games and stuff like that. I could promise you that if that ever happened, so it's uh, it's a topic that a lot of people are interested in and kind of worried about to see where all this is going to go. So I'm not surprised that it got as much heat as it did. If there was no social media, this would have went through the natural progression of like this would have popped up on CNN maybe, and then it would have petered out once uh, uh, the it was found out that there wasn't actually anything there. It is kind of surprising some of the bigger companies just like immediately just went. As, uh, like we got to get this out fast before we confirm it officially but that's also kind of with social media now that's how the news media rolls like they got to be first and accuracy can come later because they can always just you know hey this is actually what's going on sorry about that yeah it's it's kind of just crazy in the whole way that it just unfolded and as exactly kind of that like you said just like the way that it got ended up pulling back uh and I'm I'm pulling it up. Uh, I was in the middle of like looking for it when you were talking. But the the person who wrote this, Kirk McKee, uh, Keand, I should say. Uh, posted on their twitter about it and they said if you get something wrong in games journalism is it's a bit like when you work behind a bar and drop a pint glass and everyone cheers except instead of cheering they chuck more pint glasses at you also cnbc said it isn't happening today which isn't the same as it isn't happening and if i turn out to be Mm -hmm. wrong then i was wrong it happens it's the first time it's happened to me with a report like this but it was bound to happen eventually and that is kind of true right as a journalist where of course unfortunately um you know with these kind of stories you have to vet these things a lot more a lot deeper because this is a big a big story sometimes you feel that you vetted enough and your source is accurate enough or gave you the right stuff and you go with that source and then things turn out to not be right that's part of journalism that's part of doing investigative journalism is sometimes you just don't get it right but i will say for myself i just thought that this whole frenzy that it did start on on twitter was crazy because people were just tweeting it left and right obviously i tweeted it because i was like what like we knew about this rumor since as you said since may but i didn't really expect that it was going to happen this early i think at the earliest i still Mm -hmm. think this and i said this earlier in a different discussion that 
the earliest it would be probably is within the next year. Like, I think possibly next year we might see something like it, but I can't imagine it's this year, uh, at this time at least. So, it was kind of crazy. Uh, and then, of course, like you, you know, talked about obviously this source, you know, the other people that are projected or at least rumored to be part of this acquisition at some point is like Disney and Apple and Amazon. And like obviously Amazon makes the most sense because of the fact they've been trying to break into video games for so long. They launched the Crucible, which that shuttered down, even though I enjoyed it. They start, launched uh, New World, which people loved at first and now are not a huge fan of it i haven't checked it recently but i know it went from being like a positive game to now it's mixed in reviews on steam uh and i haven't launched it in quite a while but like that was uh another aspect of it and so like they've just struggled as probably a company who has too many diversified things does in breaking into that environment and obviously what's the best thing to do buy a studio that's established and can do it right buy something that's been doing it and just keep moving as status quo and obviously that would be what amazon wants to do we'll see of course what this ends up unfolding for a while but like other people said and i will just kind of echo what some of the people say as a journalist and i know for you like working in tv right sometimes you hit and sometimes you miss and this is one of those where like it's an understandable miss or at least an acceptable miss it's not like he damaged somebody's integrity or career so like what other reporters did say in there like i hope that of course he ends up being okay out of this and obviously learns and moves with this as it goes um but you know obviously for a hot two hours the internet was set ablaze (laughs) with what's going on and like you and like you were saying, like, basically the part that's wrong is it's not happening today. The rumors are still out there. It's likely that Amazon's still looking forward to doing this or try, uh, trying to do it if it works best for them. You know, so like the basically the only part he got wrong is that it's not happening today. Yeah, so we'll see, of course, what that means in the future. What we'll also see what it means in the future is what other partnerships, purchases, buying, go on, and could Bandai Namco be one of those? We're going to the Video Games Chronicle for this article written by Tom Ivan, and it is Elden Ring Publisher working to secure IP and partnerships amid the mass uh, acquisition spree. And I'm going to just say real quick for the title, I get Elden Ring's really big, but Bandai Namco is big in itself. You don't always have to use... uh, (laughs) the Elden Ring title there. But anyways, we're going to the article now. Elden Ring publisher Bandai Namco has discussed its efforts to secure IP and partnerships with developers amid the recent spate of mergers and acquisitions in the games industry. In an interview with GameIndustry.biz, Bandai Namco Europe COO Arnold Merler said the company has been working hard behind the scenes to insulate itself from the impact of industry consolidation, but that smaller publishers are having a harder time doing so. Quote, what I find is that we have to secure Secure the IPs that we create with the studios we partner with, he said. When we invest in IP creation, when we invest in marketing for these IPs, we also have to keep in mind that we have to get some sort of security towards the future of the studio that develops this IP if the IP doesn't belong to us. So this is something that we work on. You know, this spread spread of acquisitions that we're seeing is affecting some of the smaller publishers in their capacity to access the best studios in the world. But we at Bandai Namco have the financial means to secure these partnerships we work on a number of measures to secure those partnerships you're talking first options rights you're talking ip ownership you're talking minority 
three stakes in those studios. So there are ways to secure the relationships. Now, uh, the mergers and acquisition activity in the game industry has hit a record $85 billion in 2021 and is expected to comfortably surpass that total this year. According to investment banking firm Drake Drake Star Partners, the first half of the year saw $107 billion in total deal values for 651 announced and or closed deals. These include Microsoft's proposed 68.7 billion acquisition of Call of Duty publisher Activision Blizzard, Take-Two and Zynga's 12.7 billion merger, and Sony's 3.6 billion uh, acquisition of Destiny marker Bungie. So, Pete, obviously a lot of money going around, and Bandai Namco is at least here in this article, in my opinion, saying, look, we're not going to be one of those places that are bought up right now but they're also saying we're trying to buy up things themselves so i guess how do you in your uh thoughts um handle essentially the acquisitions of these bigger studios and of course these smaller uh, i shouldn't say bigger studios these bigger companies as well as these smaller companies like bandai namco I mean, this isn't the first uh, industry that this has happened in. It's happened in a bunch of industry industries. A lot of the airlines are basically owned by like three or four major airline companies, and they're just a bunch of minor ones that are owned by the major ones. Um, a lot of the, the uh, dis- like a lot of the distribution and food companies are all owned by uh, one conglomerate em- entity and things like that. Uh, it's I, I I don't like it. I, I honestly I don't like it. I think it lowers competition. I think it makes it easier for these companies to realize that these companies have realized, uh these corporations have realized that just because uh you can't have uh, all of the all of the pie like you used to before they started saying like hey, hey. You can't have monopolies anymore. Sorry, I know we made the board game. I know that's that, that's a thing, but you can't 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 have monopolies in this country. But you know what's bigger than five percent of the pie? Ten percent of the pie, fifteen percent of the pie, twenty-five percent of the pie, thirty-three percent of the pie, and that's what a lot of these companies uh, corporations have figured out. It's like, yeah, maybe we can't get a hundred percent, but thirty percent's bigger than ten. So why don't we try to go for that? Well, that's what's happening in a lot of these industries. The video game industry is just the most recent one. And we've talked about it before. It reduces uh, it's, uh, reduces competition. So these companies can theoretically work together if they want to, to make some of these, uh, uh, like, you know, kind of price, uh, control the pricing and all that. It also makes it so the bigger thing that I worry about, the competition sucks. Part of the competition part sucks, honestly. The bigger part I'm worried about is that, it reduces the number of voices that can be used. It reduces the number of messages that can be produced because these corporations aren't going to allow messages that they don't want out there to be spread out there. Uh, If they don't stand for something, if they don't stand for trans rights, they don't stand for abortion rights, probably not going to allow a game that, you know, tries to do things like that or throws in an offline that supports those kind of things. If they, if they, you know, support, uh, certain countries they don't support other countries you know maybe those countries won't be allowed to uh have their voice they get uh you know a lot of these uh the creators a lot of the writers and stuff like that are all uh you know used in a lot of the similar projects and if you're got a good name with all the major corporations you're probably going to be on there 
more often and they're going to use your name more often, which lowers the opportunities of other people maybe that would like to get their shake and that kind of thing too. So there's a lot that is negative. There are some positives, especially for the smallest companies. They get more resources to maybe develop things that they want to that they weren't able to before. That is a positive in that regard. That is a good thing. It gives opportunities in that theoretically it can create jobs in other ways um, because those smaller corporate companies now have those resources to hire more people. Hopefully you would assume that they take advantage of these kind of things. So there's less um, stress, there's less time crunch and all those kind of things. That's not exactly what goes on as we've seen with like Activision Blizzard, uh, you know, uh, sometimes the workplace, it doesn't really matter. Uh, it doesn't matter how big you are. Sometimes it's even harder to control the bigger you are and the people higher up as long as they're making money, they don't really care like how that's going on as long as it doesn't blow back on them. So it's really interesting to, uh, hold on. I got to pull up the page while you were talking, uh, to listen, uh, look at dot hack publisher, uh, Bandai Namco. I'm going to throw out all these games now since everybody wants to call them Elden Ring pub, uh, publisher, Bandai Namco. <laughs> dot hack, uh, I'm going to call it go. Dot Hack uh, publisher. You know, it's really nice to see God Eater publisher, uh, Bandai Namco sit there and uh, I'm done after that one, by the way, but <laughs> to sit there and say they're not going to try to get bought out, but they brought up a good point. It is real a lot harder for these smaller companies because these uh, these bigger companies have so much money now. The smaller companies like, hey, you want a tag team on this game? And the bigger companies like, why don't we just buy you? <laughs> it's just like we'll just bring you into the fold and then force you to do the things that we want you to do, and maybe we'll let you complete this project because it looks kind of cool. But then after that, you know, we're gonna like some of these companies, the smaller companies get bought out and they get dissolved, and then the pieces are moved around to other uh, divisions and stuff like that. And yeah, there's a lot. A lot of things that concern me with this kind of stuff. And there are some positives, like I mentioned, but I feel like the bad in general outweighs the good in most cases in this kind of uh, condensing of uh, companies. Yeah, I uh, basically am very happy that the Tales of a publisher, Bandai Namco, is not going to be sold uh, in this, at least what they said right here. And uh, for those that aren't watching, Pete gave me a thumbs up, of course. But yeah, I I was happy with uh, seeing that because Bandai Namco... Uh, is at least for my opinion a publisher that i do enjoy by themselves because of course they really they really target and hone the anime games market for the the gamer and i enjoy a number of their games so you know having the scarlet nexus publisher bandai namco continue to be a third party <laughs> all right i'm done I now too you. i appreciate you feeding you know? <laughs> <laughs> i'm done now too but uh to stay that way is is important but of course as well right just because they say that now doesn't mean in the future that that won't happen but i agree with you i don't want to have a a day and age where our company options are basically nintendo xbox sony you know like though i would like to continue to have these larger third party uh publishers and developers and of course you're always going to have indie game developers that's just natural so of course i'm not totally like in uh against that like oh if all the companies are owned then we're not going to see games that come out to show the support of various aspects but 
like always, indie games are harder to sell because most people don't think about indie games when it comes to the the games media. They also don't have as much marketing dollars to market their game to try to sell more. And it really worry, uh, centers around word of mouth and, of course, name recognition. So that's the only thing. But I don't mind some acquisitions i've said this before i understand that as a company sometimes the two ways that you need to develop is either create the game yourself or buy something to help you create the game that you're looking for or whatever but i don't want to get to a point where we're seeing square enix sold and acquired by a company or bandai namco sold and acquired acquired by a company or ubisoft for instance like i want them to continue to stay the same as why with the ea uh Amazon thing while I'm not entirely happy with it at least Amazon is still technically a third party pers- you know perspective so they would stale st- stay still stay third party so that's the thing but we got to move on because the timing's sake so let's get to our next article and of course it means that more money is going to be coming out of your pockets if you're looking for a ps5 at least if you're outside the united states and that is an article coming from vg247 written by sheriff Sade, and it is the ps5 is getting more expensive sony is doing what many think thought is unthinkable the company announced this morning of course this was back on uh thursday that sony is doing uh or excuse me that they are raising the price of playstation 5 console across a wide range of markets globally. Company president and CEO Jim Ryan broke the news this morning on the PlayStation blog. In the post, Ryan cited high inflation rates and adverse currency trends are as the main reasons behind the price hike, calling it a, quote, a necessity given the current global economic environment and its impact on SIE businesses. Now, the United States is the only market that is not going to see an increase in the price, but Canada, Europe, the Middle East, and Africa, Asia Pacific, and Latin America will get the new prices and they were effective immediately. In Japan, they're getting a price hike, but that won't take place until September 2015. Now, uh, 2015, September 15th. Why did I say that? Uh, Sony did not say whether PS5 accessories such as the DualSense controller will receive the same hike. Of course, they give a breakdown of that. But in closing, Ryan said that Sony's top priority continues to be on improving PS5 availability. So, Pete, how shocked were you on this news coming out? My favorite response, uh, just uh, before we continue, my favorite response uh, that I saw on social media this was, actually, Sony's doing a great thing because before I was thinking about uh, uh, they're saving me a bunch of money because before I was considering buying a PS5 and now I'm just not going to buy it. Quote (laughs) Um, Daniel Ahmad. (laughs) (laughs) I know exactly who Uh, it was. I saw it too. (laughs) You saw it. I might have saw it because you liked it or something then. Um, I, I was shocked in the sense that it's a, it's really surprising when you increase a price of something like this. Um, I also don't necessarily believe their reasoning behind it, where they say it's like, oh, it's because of inflation and all that, because they didn't increase the price everywhere. They didn't increase the, they're not increasing the price in the U.S. So it feels almost more like to me they're hoping that this deters people from buying these systems in other countries to maybe try to support like maybe i don't know like a holiday rush or something they're expecting it also made me consider that number that you uh, that sony that you thought you were going to sell like back in your uh uh sales meetings or whatever your earnings calls are you just not going to reach that now because like there's going to be a significant number of people are just like yeah i'm just not going to buy this system now uh in these other countries so uh I think this could have been something they could have done early on to maybe like reduce the number of scalpers. Um, but they should have started at that price. 
Uh, one suggestion I heard that was kind of interesting, I don't necessarily agree with it, was maybe they start um, at a higher price, uh, like say like seven, $800 like to start. And then like every couple of months, it reduces by another 50 bucks till it gets to the price that they actually want it at. Something like that. Um, just jumping this price up in the middle of like, like, especially in like not even giving like a heads up being like, hey, this is happening in a month. It's like, no, right now, effective immediately, except in Japan, but like these prices are going up. I, yeah, I was pretty shocked to see this uh, headline and uh, I, I'm not shocked that we're talking about it because this is pretty big news, but yeah, man, uh, especially such a significant jump like they're doing with uh, all these uh, prices too. It's like 100, 150, uh, like local currency dollars for most of these countries, at least. Yeah, the the biggest way for most of the countries, not all of them, of course, most of them is basically a $50 increase from what we pay here in the United States. But obviously in local currency, like that's probably a significant jump and it obviously is. So uh, that's not to sugarcoat those things at all. Um, so please keep that in mind. But I'm not shocked by it because of the supply chain issue. I mean, it's been going on for a while. Like, every company has been struggling with it. It's, besides Steam, for some reason, Steam and their Steam Deck has increased production somehow i don't know how that's the case but every company is doing it and so like i kind of figured at some point this might happen and i do also figure at some point united states might actually get hit by this but it's just kind of the situation but i agree with what everyone's saying i don't see how this ends up benefiting you uh as a company because as you just said some people are going to choose just not to buy it now and then how do you like how long do these price increases stay and obviously they're not going to say that right now because maybe they don't know entirely what's going to be on but like is every country just now going to have to pay extra for the ps5 until they decide hey now we're going to pull out the PS6. We'll put a discount on the PS5 now. <laughs> Congratulations, yeah, right. right? So, like, I don't know what the thought process behind it is. And obviously, I have it in here. But to pass along, Sony, uh, Xbox and Nintendo have already came out from this and said, no, we're not increasing our prices. Our prices are staying the I same. Yeah, so that's, of course, uh, a big thing. And that obviously gives them a lot of brownie points and, uh, you know, some uh, good PR for Xbox and Nintendo that PlayStation just handed them for free. They're not increasing the price. Now, I did see off of this something online real quick that I want to say before we go on is that somebody said, well, this clearly could indicate that a PlayStation showcase is coming in September, which has been the case for the last several years now. But... It could very well indicate that that's coming because PlayStation needs good PR following this. Like, you need, you, you kind of have the bad. You need to quickly cover it up with something good to try to get people to forget. So, PlayStation has had a showcase for uh, the last few Septembers. I'm sure that they'll probably have one again this year. But, like I said, there, I was seeing some analysts kind of talking about, well, with this news coming out, they could be trying to you know follow it up right after with like hey we have a showcase coming up and try to get people to sweep this under the rug but they're gonna need something like their last showcase they're gonna need to knock it out of the park to wipe off the 
to polish the turd that they got from this one that's for damn sure oh yeah for sure as well as of course the extra money drop that people are going to have to throw at it but something that people are going to be throwing money at including myself possibly is psvr2 and that is coming sometime next year as we go into nme.com for this one written by drake jake green now technically speaking i do want to say this article is an seo article so it has like a lot of details but i'm just kind of going to boil down to uh the nitty-gritty which is about the release date so sony is set to release the psvr2 headsets which will bring vr gaming to ps5 players utilizing next-gen hardware for a new generation of games the reveal has been an odd one with updated updates staggered over the last year or so we know what the headset looks like it even have games lineups to tide us over even with all of the small specs and tech breakdowns we've seen so far we are missing some of the larger details on psvr2 specifically the release date and price of the main are the main ones with sony keeping quiet on the last one there have been some leaks but now we do know of course when the estimated release date is which psvr2 will launch early 2023 according to sony now pinning down a more specific date isn't particularly simple however given that there hasn't been any substantial leaks or rumors yet one tidbit we do have is from industry insider ross young who tweeted that delays to vr shipments at apple and sony have pushed the products into 2023 and now we know that the headset is indeed coming in 2023 we may not have long until the release with with more specifics of course coming later on and given later on down in this article and i do also want to mention that sony has made an announcement that psvr2 will be at tokyo game show which is of course the upcoming uh, trade show that goes on in tokyo and that trade show will be coming uh in september september 15th through the 18th so pete are you going to be hopping on the psvr2 train uh personally no uh i'm looking forward to your um your opinions and uh, like a lot of the opinions of others uh too to try to see what this uh new vr system is going to be like i'm not really a vr guy um so i don't know if i'm actually gonna be super invested to buy into it i mean i guess eventually in terms of like this is clearly where gaming is headed in some regard so eventually i'm going we're i'm gonna have to buy some kind of vr system at that point but the the thing I'm questioning is uh, we just talked about a PS5 rate hike. So what's this going to come out as a price set, you know? Yes. Because uh, you're already dropping. Uh, you originally were dropping like 500 bucks. But, uh, you know, most other countries now are going to drop like 650 or something like that just to get a PS5. And they're going to drop another like 400, 500. The game mentions that uh, Meta's uh, uh a VR system is like th- priced at three fifty, so like coming out at more than four hundred dollars for this thing. No, 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 no. I actually have an update, which is what I was going to pass along, uh, because with all this going on, MetaQuest has increased their price of their headset. It now costs three ninety nine <laughs> and four ninety nine, uh, depending on the terabyte version or the gigabyte version that you're looking at. So, oh, uh, so this uh, article is dated. Damn. All right. So now they got a little bit of leeway to maybe like, you know, um, make it 450, but that's like a grand you're dropping on a game console and a VR system without any bells and whistles or games or anything. That's a lot of money to drop on something like that. And I personally, I'm not that that interested in dropping that kind of money in something that I don't know how much value or mileage I'm going to get out of the PS5. I know I'm going to play a lot of uh, at certain points, so. I'm more okay with uh, getting the value out of that. I know I'm going to get my $600 of enjoyment or whatever I uh, paid the price for that. 
the VR system, I don't know if I'm going to get that kind of uh, enjoyment out of that. And I'm sure part of it is I'm uh, skeptical about it. And that's uh, giving me a, a biased opinion on the negative side, a negatively biased opinion. Uh, but I am interested in what you think and where like, you already said you're going to get the PS. What is it? PSVR two. Yeah. PSVR two. Uh, are there any games that you're like specifically like, I'm going to get PSVR two and I'm bam, I'm going to buy this game and we're playing in a PSVR two. Have you seen anything like that yet? Uh, no, just because of course, like PSVR two, while there are games like announced for it, we don't have a ton of games yet announced for it because it's still not, uh, out here, but obviously like the horizon call of the mountain VR game looks pretty cool. So I might, I might dive into that one. Um, but more so I'm excited for it just because I've wanted of the PSVR when I, when it first came out, I, I told the story before and I'll say it again. I drove down, uh, two and a half hours to the nearest, uh, Best Buy that had it to go test it out because i just wanted to enjoy it and check it out and i had a blast with it unfortunately my wife uh got a little bit of motion sickness from it so she uh was not like she enjoyed it but then like as she kept playing with it she was like oh i'm getting motion sickness i didn't have that issue and that's kind of why i ended up not getting the psvr was because obviously i would enjoy it but it's still a lot of money to drop if my wife can't jump into it. So we're hoping with like the updated mechanics of the PSVR 2, that won't be the issue. Uh, but yeah, so kind of going back or piggying back off of the last article, you know, the Meta Quest, obviously owned by Meta, which was Facebook company and obviously is now Meta, uh, they increased their prices, citing the same thing production increased costs and, you know, the current economy uh, market. So, like, Partially, that's why I also kind of believe what what PlayStation is saying, but I don't know what it means like for the long run. Uh, But at least with MetaQuest, again, I don't know how much you value this. They increase the price, but for a limited time, they're giving away Beat Saber for free, which is like the game that a lot of people love on VR. So like it's cool that you're getting that, but like is that worth the $50 increase in your opinion? I don't know. But the game that I am really looking forward to when or if it ever does come to PSVR 2 uh, is uh, Zenith City, um, which is basically the game that we talked about when it released back uh, on our episode um, many, many moons ago about basically being the Sword Art Online game and like i've seen that it's gotten really good reviews that it's still like on steam a lot of people have positive outlooks on it so like i want to try that game out and so if psvr 2 allows me to i want to dive into that and just check it out and see how it how it goes but um for specific games though i hope that it's now granted all signs are kind of pointing to because of the new technology and psvr 2 that it's not going to work but i have a lot of psvr games that i got for free over the years um and so like i would love to be able to just like dive into some of those with psvr2 but i don't know if they're going to have backwards compatibility because of the amount of technology changes that uh differ from psvr1 to psvr2 so we shall see 
Real quick, just because of timing's sake, we're going to have to go to uh, two quick articles. So the first one is we're going to Xbox, where Phil Spencer says he expects to see fewer platform exclusives in the future. We're actually going to PSU.com, PlayStationUniversity.com, just because it's had the most condensed version uh, for me to to go off of. And it goes basically, Microsoft's head of Xbox, Phil Spencer, has revealed during an interview with Bloomberg that he expects, that he expects, excuse me, platform exclusives to dwindle in the coming futures. Uh, basically, he commented on the multi-format games was healthier in the long run for the video game industry compared to exclusive titles, which he says are something we're just going to see less and less of. And he basically says uh, in the quote, maybe you happen in, uh, in your household to buy an Xbox, I buy a PlayStation, and our kids want to play together, but they can't because they bought the wrong piece of plastic to plug into their television. We really love to be able to bring more players in, reducing friction, making people feel safe, secure when they're playing, allowing them to find their friends, play with their friends regardless of the device. And I think that's good for the long run in the industry and maybe in the short run. There's some people in some companies that don't love it. But I think as we get over that hump and see where this industry can continue to grow, it'll prove out to be true. So, Pete. Obviously, this is kind of in comments towards the Activision Blizzard purchase, which obviously Xbox has said at least for the next three Call of Duties will be placed on PlayStation. So how much do you buy into that uh, statement from Phil Spencer? Uh, So not a whole lot because uh, he's saying like, Oh, this will be good for industry health. You know what else is good for industry health? Not buying up all the other companies and having three or four major corporations own all the the major developers. Um, You know, just uh, that that's probably even better for health. And you seem to be okay doing that. Um, It's weird to bring this up too, because it's not like there's a whole lot of platform exclusives out there anymore. Like, there are some major titles. I'm not saying there aren't. But it seems like that's mostly gone the way of, you know, like the early, like, PS1, PS2 games, like, or systems. They don't really feel like they really have it. And the games that are available on all systems are also typically starting to become more and more cross-platform now. So I don't even know if that's, like, this just feels like to be, like, a thing where I'm just like, yeah, I don't care about it. Another thing, too he's like, hey, what if we just got rid of all platform exclusives? Well, then what's going to be the biggest factor for determining which system you can buy? Probably, you know, whatever the system is the best at that point. If there's no, uh, theoretically, if there's no platform exclusives, you can buy any system and get any game. Well, then you're just going to buy the best system, which which one's probably going to develop, bring out the best system? I don't know. Probably the company that's the most expensive and can throw the most money at the system, you know, Microsoft, is probably going to be the one to get benefits the most from that. I understand that Nintendo has a bunch of their own platform exclusives. I don't think that's ever going to change because I don't think unless Nintendo suddenly decides we're just not making any more consoles anymore. We're just going to make games, which I, I, uh, I would be really surprised if that happened. So I don't, I, I understand they have a lot of platform exclusives, but if we're talking straight like PlayStation and Xbox, it doesn't feel like they have that many, games i think the biggest one i could think of off the top of my head is god of war is like a playstation exclusive right yeah that's that's a sony owned studio yeah 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 yeah. that's like the biggest one i could think of 
I'm gonna I'm gonna have to help uh, help you uh, a little bit on learning some of these exclusive peats because there are still quite a bit, and uh, that's obviously what always gets people going uh, upset on online. And I just find it funny, like understandably so, right? This is this is part of business. It's part of what's going on. But I find it funny that he says this. But one of the biggest games that are about to come out that caused a huge uproar about being exclusive is Starfield, <laughs> and Starfield was supposed to originally come to PlayStation and xbox and then when xbox bought uh bethesda zetamax they made it it's exclusive to xbox and that caused a huge uproar so like it just kind of feels like he's talking out of both sides of his mouth doesn't it that's weird so it's kind of just funny uh which i guess what i could what i could see because technically speaking now granted the contract was in place ahead of time but Deathloop was PlayStation exclusive when it was a well PlayStation and PC um, when it was a Bethesda game already under the umbrella of Microsoft but the contract obviously was in place beforehand the purchase so like what there could be of course in the future maybe uh, Phil does starts this whole thing which is like oh the game is exclusive to Xbox for one year and then in a year we now bring it to you know PlayStation or something like that like maybe that's what he's kind of getting to um, and I do think like you said with more games becoming cross-platform that's great uh, and I hope that that continues to be the trend but I just I, I still think that there's always going to be exclusives, and I think that he's kind of alluding to there always will be some exclusives. We just might not see as many. Um, but yeah, I just I kind of shook my head a little bit because, again, like there's a number of games that they literally are about to release within the next 12 months that are Xbox exclusive. And he here he goes saying, we're going to see less of them. <laughs> so it's like... I don't know, man. Like you said, can't have it both ways. Uh, So then the last thing I want to get to, and even though we're about to be over, I have to bring it up, which is uh, the Wild Arms and Shadow Hearts creators are coming together for a Kickstarter project that starts on Monday, and I cannot be more excited. We're going to RPGFan.com for this one, written by Gio Castillo, and it says, Armed Fantasia and Pennyblood coming to Kickstarter from Wild Arms and Shadow Hearts creators. The talented people that made Wild Arms and Shadow Hearts are counting on you to back their double kickstarter campaign that starts on august 29th so they can make two large-scale successor rpgs called armed fantasia and penny blood now you'll have the option to back one or both of the games and receive a variety of rewards and stretch goals as as they are unlocked the two campaigns will also have a sold called combo meter that unlocks extra content for both games no matter which one you contribute to as long as the mutual minimum goal of seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars is reached essentially supporters for one project will still help the other even if they didn't specifically contribute money there now p i am a fan of wild arms and shadow hearts i have been saying for a while now here on the podcast as well as in videos that i would like both of these games to come back a new entry at some point to happen i literally have a script for a youtube video talking about wild arms uh that is going to be coming out next week so i was super excited about this how about yourself never played wild arms never heard of shadow hearts um wild fantasia god (laughs) wild fantasia looks awesome and i want to be clear about wild arms uh i i've not played it because uh, not because I don't think the game looks good. I would play. I just never got around to actually acquiring it and playing it. That game, the, that series looks like it'd be a lot of fun. 
I, I, I like I said, I'd never heard of Shadow Hearts, and maybe you kick me off the podcast and get a real podcaster to co-host with you <laughs> because of that. But you're gonna have to get over it. Um, oh my gosh, I cannot. <laughs> um, but uh, Wild Fantasia looks awesome. Uh, I Arm would Fantasia. buy. I play Wild. Or Arm Fantasia, I'm sorry. It's Wild Arms, Arm Fantasia. Arm Fantasia looks dope. I would definitely try it. Wild Arms, I know, is a beloved series. And like I said, I uh, I didn't play it because I didn't like it. I just played it because I never got around to playing it when I was a kid. That game would have been something I would have liked to have tried at least. So, Well, I'm going to inform you right now, Pete, if you want to, and also for our listeners, which is also part of my upcoming video. If you have PlayStation Plus, you can play... Uh, Wild Arms as well as Wild Arms 3, they are both on there, and you can dive into those. Mm. Obviously, Wild Arms 1 was the most popular, sold the most, but Wild Arms 3 is probably the most polished, in my opinion, game, but they're both a ton of fun. And Shadow Hearts, man, I cannot believe you haven't known about it, but I will say, actually in the same breath, I can believe it because Shadow Hearts, unfortunately, was not marketed very well, and so the game didn't sell a ton, which is which is crazy because it's a phenomenal game. Um, cannot recommend it enough. A lot of people should go check it out. Um, it, it's when it's, did uh, I have a question for you? When did Shadow Hearts come out? Shadow Hearts came out on the PS2, so I want to say probably two thousand one, maybe two thousand two. Your toss. I know. I'm trying to get there. You give me a second, okay? 2001, <laughs> 2002, I think. Uh, but anyway, when will these come out? I have no clue. But what I do know is what's coming out this week, and I'm going to tell you all about it, which starts with today, Friday, August 26th. We have Overloop for PC, The Company Man for PS5, Xbox Series, PS4, and Xbox One. Nexomon plus Nexomon Extinction Complete Edition for PS4 and Switch. Pac-Man World Repack for PS5, Xbox Series, PS4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC. Soul Hackers 2 for PS5, Xbox Series, PS4, Xbox One, and PC. Aquadine for PS5, Xbox Series, PS4, Xbox One, and Switch. On Tuesday, Tuesday, August 30th, you have Back for Blood, Children of the Worm DLC for PS5, Xbox Series, PS4, Xbox One, and PC. F1 Manager 2022 for PS5, Xbox Series, PS4, Xbox One, and PC. Orcs, uh, O-R-X for PC. Uh, Destroy All Humans 2, Reprobed for PS5, Xbox Series, Xbox One, and PC. Immortality for P- Xbox Series, PC, and iOS, and Android. That's coming to Game Pass. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the Kawabunga Collection for PS5, Xbox Series, PS4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC. Tinykin for PS4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC. That's coming to Game Pass. Dusk Diver 2 for PS5, PS4, and Switch. Wednesday, August 31st, you have Call of the Wild The Angler for PC. Scathe for PC. Thursday, September 1st, you have Ooblets for Xbox One, Switch, and PC. Chenzo Club for PS4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC. The Dragoness Command of the Flame for PC. Gerda Aflame in Winter for Switch and PC. Mythbusters The Game for PC. Onsen Master for Xbox Series, Switch, and PC. And then Friday, September 2nd, you have JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, All-Star Battle R for PS5, Xbox Series, PS4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC. Lego Brawls for PS5, Xbox Series, PS4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC. Made in Abyss, Binary Star Falling into Darkness for PS4, Switch, and PC. And then The Last of Us Part 1 for PS5. Pete, any of these catching your attention? Uh, The games that caught my attention were The Company Man... We've, I've, we've had it on here a few times now. Uh, it looks like an entertaining, interesting platformer. Super interested in that. Orcs, ORX. Uh, that one seemed kind of uh, like a fun little strategy game. Uh, it says it's a card builder, or a deck builder game. Uh, roguelite kind of thing. So I'm interested how they do like a strategy type game for that. And then Dust Diver 2. 
along with some of the bigger name ones like uh soul hackers too and um uh the uh i guess that's the only big name the one. last guess, of us uh, part maybe, one <laughs> oh yeah the last of us part one yeah sure that one. Oh yeah i haven't played any of the last of, it. Any of the last of it. it wasn't on the same page damn it leave me alone uh those are like kind of like the three that i was looking at uh the hardest yeah, uh, so Soul Hackers 2, of course, I made mention of that last week on the episode. Dust Diver 2, I have Dust Diver 1, I still gotta play it. Uh, that's the game, if you guys remember, I played it for 10 minutes during my uh, home buying experience and then didn't, haven't been able to go back to it yet. Uh, JoJo Bizarre Adventure All-Star Battle R, because I do enjoy those uh, combat games, those fighting games, and JoJo's Bizarre Adventure um, All-Star Battle looks a lot of fun and then uh while i'm not picking up the last of us part one obviously the game looks phenomenal and i think uh will sell like hotcakes the other one i'm actually interested in is made in abyss binary star falling into darkness i am still one in one surprised that this game is even being made because of the way i've heard that made in abyss the anime is like and it's super dark and stuff uh and i've heard that this one is uh the game like obviously is not as dark but still does dark things uh i've been following this game development for a little while so i'm interested to to see how reviews i guess come out of it and i want to ask just real quick i know we're over but pete you took a big deep breath when i talked about made in abyss is it is it that dark so i watched season one and it was pretty dark um but uh, also some of the best uh story uh, some of the best anime uh, that i've ever watched uh, the last episode in particular is very heartrending, but also like just phenomenal storytelling and it just really makes you connect with the characters. I have not watched the new movie and I have not watched season two. Uh, there might be something wrong with the author from some of the stuff I've heard <laughs> that, that has happened. Uh, it, it is, it is quite, it is quite dark. Yes. Um, I don't know how deep the video game will dive into that, how far they will go, but, uh, there's probably a very good reason this game was rated M for mature. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. It's like, you know, if anyone goes and looks this up, you're going to see what looks like little like kitties on the front and you might be like confused why it has an M rating. But again, those kitties are probably dying. That's like, the M rating. Well, way to spoil it. But I was going to just basically say just uh, just take the, the just box. take the rating for what it says. All right. Don't don't get caught off guard by what. <laughs> <laughs> What's I, on the front I actually need to see the bo- the, the the box now. Give me a sec. I, I want to see this. Uh, keep talking. Keep going. By the way, yeah. So that was kind of just my my big thing. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm curious to see how it how it turns out because uh, this is a I, Nintendo game. That is wild. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, those it's, kid, it's those not a Nintendo are. game. It's being published by uh, Spike Chunsoft. Right. It's just coming to Nintendo. Yeah. I was, uh, uh, so there are kids on there. The kids probably won't die. I thought you said kitties, like kittens. But, no, uh, no, no. Yeah, yeah. Kids, like little kids. kitties on there. Yeah, my bad, my bad. They're probably not dying. They're not. They're not dying, but they'll probably go through some fucked up shit. So be ready for that. All right. So be ready for that. But that is all that we have here for this episode. Pete, is there anything you want to leave our listeners with? Keep on gaming. Gaming's fun. Keep on gaming indeed. But everybody, that's all that we have here for this episode. I've been one of your co-hosts, Jeremy Culver, a.k.a. Darcy. This has been the California Thirst Quencher, Pete Legia, and we really enjoy bringing this to you. So as always, everybody, stay hydrated, stay healthy, stay safe, and keep on gaming. We'll see you guys on the next episode.